and welcome on in to the JR Sport Brief Show right here on CBS Sports Radio. No JR today. Ryan Hickey in instead on this Tuesday. Welcome. Appreciate you making us a part of your Tuesday right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's been a very busy Tuesday. In case you missed it, Ben John, uh, Johnson, Lions OC, going nowhere. Bobby Slowick, Texans OC, going nowhere. So Commanders, Seahawks still right now looking for their head coach. And the more people they interview, the more people say, eh, I'm good. Thanks, but no thanks. We'll discuss here in a little bit where now the Commanders especially should look since they've had, it feels like, a few names back out of their head coaching search recently. Things are not looking much better uh, than they were before for the Commanders, that is for sure. But I want to start this hour kind of putting a little bit of a bow, at least on the AFC title game, by discussing this. I think win or lose the Super Bowl, this has already been the most impressive year of Patrick Mahomes' career. I don't think the Super Bowl result matters. Because the fact that he was able to get this Chiefs team through the AFC and to the Super Bowl, I think it is the most amazing, amazing accomplishment of his career. He's had better statistical seasons. He's had better players. He's won already two rings. Even if he falls short, I don't think any other of the five years previous surpassed what he's been able to accomplish this year. I mean, for the first time in his career, this Chiefs team is real warts. This was, I think, easily the worst team he's had in Kansas City in the six years he's been the starter. Receivers have had major issues with drops. Offensive line has had problems. Jawan Taylor, I mean, how many false starts? How many holding penalties? How many costly touchdown wiping off the board flags did he incur this season? As Chiefs fans, they'll tell you a lot. He was a problem. Receivers were a problem. Travis Kelsey himself regressed in the regular season. That all led to what was statistically the worst year of Patrick Mahomes' career for a full season. Oh, yeah, by the way, add on top of the fact that Mahomes had the toughest path to the Super Bowl he's had in his career. Didn't matter. All of those negatives, all of those traps that should have ensnared around his ankles, prevented him from marching forward, stopped the Chiefs from going to their fourth Super Bowl in five years and instead giving someone else a chance to, you know, get to the promised land. Give someone else a chance to chase the Lombardi Trophy. All of that did not matter. Was able to fight through it all, fight through the adversity. So even though statistically, it wasn't like the 2018 MVP year where he had 50 touchdowns. Or even last year winning MVP, winning the Super Bowl. The fact he was able to accomplish what he did with real concerns on offense, I don't know a more impressive season Mahomes has had uh, outside of this one. There, there is none. It's unfair. It's crazy. It's, it's honestly scary. The fact that we're sitting here talking about what he was able to accomplish with this poor of a roster for Kansas City compared to their standards, yet still the mission has been the same. It, 
it, it, I laugh, but it feels almost unfair. And like we talked about before in the show, when it comes to coaching matters, I think a, a good coach with a bad roster will go further than a really good quarterback with a bad roster. This should have been a roster that took Patrick Mahomes down. It did statistically. Most interceptions of his career, fewest touchdowns, fewest passing yards, and a full season of his career. It took him down statistically, but in the end, it did not take him down where it matters the most on the scoreboard. And we're talking about Chiefs offense in the regular season with Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, averaging just 21.8 points per game. 15th in the league. They were the 15th highest scoring offense. Do you know how bad you have to be? How many real concerns you have to have in order for a Patrick Mahomes-led offense to be 15th in the league in terms of average points per game? A lot. Couple that with the fact that this was easily the hardest road Mahomes has had to hoe going to the Super Bowl. Never played a road playoff game before this season in his career. And he went to two of the most hostile environments you'd have, you could have played in, in Buffalo, who was out for blood. That place not only was rocking, the stars were aligned for the Bills to finally get their redemption, finally get their revenge on the Chiefs for twice, eliminating them in Arrowhead, obviously the one time the 13-second uh, fiasco, debacle, heartbreaker, obviously at the forefront of a lot of Bills' minds, they wanted blood. They thought they were going to get blood. They should have gotten blood. Mahomes, uh, excuse me, Allen was playing a lot better down the stretch going to that playoff game. The run game has now, you know, had life. Didn't matter. First road playoff game, bad receiving core, questionable offensive line, did not matter. Mahomes goes in there and rips the hearts out of the Chiefs. And then a week later, goes into the house of the Ravens, who are the best team in the AFC, the most consistent team in the AFC, you could argue, in the NFL, with the MVP of the league soon to be as their quarterback on their team. Chiefs had no business facing the number one scoring uh, scoring defense, number four scoring offense on the road, had no business going into Baltimore and winning that game. No business. Here we are. Here we are. Chiefs back in the Super Bowl yet again. The prevailing thought was someone has to knock him off. Somebody's got to do it. And this was by far the most vulnerable the Chiefs have been to where that could have happened. And yet, with all the liabilities, all the question marks, not only did they not come back to this point to bite the Chiefs, they actually turned to the strengths. Again, like you look at how those games were won, it wasn't just Mahomes, which is the scary part too. Looking forward with the Chiefs team is for how bad they were in the regular season and how vulnerable they looked come postseason time. Mahomes was, I'll say, solid in his three playoff games. Nothing spectacular. We've seen better from him, but they still won games where all different areas of the team contributing. Go to that Bills game, offensive line, defense line. They won the game. Fourth quarter, that Chiefs defensive line finally slowed down that Buffalo run, made the Bills one-dimensional. They had no answer. 
offensively, when you had to salt the game away, ran the ball right down the Bills' throats. Game over. The trenches that were getting beat up, especially on the defensive side for three quarters, come up clutch and win the game for the Chiefs. Last week against the Ravens, guys like Legereus Sneed, Deion Bush, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling coming up with the three biggest plays of the game. Guys that all have gotten criticized, have all had, you know, some, in the case of at least MVS, some big-time costly drops that lost the Chiefs some games this year. Dropped a big-time pass against the Eagles that lost in the game. Pass interference against Packers should have been called, wasn't called, but MVS was a liability in that receiver room for a while this year for the Chiefs and ends up making the biggest catch on third down to steal the game for, for Kansas City. So even with all these liabilities, they still rise up and were able to get it done. And even with Mahomes not being, you know, extraordinary, even though not reaching the level we've seen him reach before, it didn't matter. They're still in the Super Bowl. So even though this was the worst statistical year of his career for a full season, even though they had the fewest wins they've had in the regular season under Mahomes, and even though going to the postseason, it was the toughest row where you had not one but two road playoff games Mahomes and co. had to face for the first time in their career. We are sitting here talking about the Chiefs back in the Super Bowl and looking for their third ring now in five years. <sighs> I am I'm, I'm impressed. There, He won two MVPs. His first year as a starter, again, 50 touchdowns, burst right on the scene, won a Super Bowl with Tyreek Hill last year, won it without Tyreek Hill in his first year, without Tyreek on the team. To me, nothing, or I should say they all pale, pale in comparison to what we saw this year. Getting this Chiefs team to the Super Bowl, I think is the greatest accomplishment so far of Patrick Mahomes' career. Absolutely incredible that we are still talking about Kansas City playing one more game as we sit here and talk to you on January 30th. Did not think that would be the case. Mahomes and co. do it again. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. If you don't think this was Patrick Mahomes' most impressive feat, if you are not really blown away by Mahomes or the Chiefs this year, I, I got to hear why. 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on social media. We'll get your thoughts, and when we return. Also, not only did I think the best quarterback in the NFL had the best year of his career, I thought the best coach in college football had the best coaching job of his career this past season. That is Nick Saban with Alabama. Who's more impressive? What Saban did with this Alabama team or what the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes did with this Chiefs team? I'll give you my answer when we do return. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR right here. Let's see if you sports radio. It's Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey in for JR. Speaking of Dickie V, a good one here in college basketball. Georgia Tech and number three, North Carolina locked at 39 apiece. Just started the second half. It's been a rough year uh, for a lot of favorites or a lot of top-ranked teams um, in college basketball. Parity has really taken over the sport, which I think is a good thing here. 
Um, you can thank NIL and Transfer Portal for that. I think now having more unexpected results is good for college sports. We're seeing it more in college football, but definitely this year in college basketball. March Madness is going to be fun. It's always unpredictable, but this year feels like we are trending towards it being even more unpredictable than ever. All right, we are going to circle back to Patrick Mahomes here in one second. But I do want to give a PSA to, to everyone out there. To the to ladies, this is for you, and also for gentlemen. There is such a thing as too much. I was on the subway today coming down to work like I always do every single day. Packed, packed today, a little bit of construction, so less subway cars running, so that means more people every time they get on. So I was jammed next to a woman who was wearing way too much perfume. And, like, even though it was only, like, a 10-minute subway ride, I got a headache. Now, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit soft here. I think my, my like, nose is oversensitive. So, like, anytime, like, there's, like, a spray in the room or, like, a perfume of that kind of nature, I, I just, I get a headache. I'm like, oh, I feel, this is just, I don't feel good very uh, whatsoever. I'm not a big cologne wearer. But, like, i just trying to picture, like, I am next to you. And, like, I'm getting a headache. I don't know, like, how she herself was not getting a headache just from breathing in those fumes all day, every day. And guys, it's the same thing, right? People just drench themselves in cologne and think, oh, I'm good to go now. I smell great. Like, how do you just, like, not knock yourself out just from the smell of just having to 24-7 have that linger? It's, there is such a thing as too much. Please, can we lessen whether it's the, the cologne usage, the perfume usage, doesn't have to, you don't have to make, sh not everyone when you walk into a room has to smell you from 50 feet away. You can make it subtle. That's what I'm just advocating for now in 2024. Subtle use of perfume, subtle use of cologne, and it will do everybody then going forward here a favor. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. We start this hour talking about Patrick Mahomes. For me, this has been the most impressive year he's had in the NFL because he is taking this Chiefs team that has significant warts at offensive line, at wide receiver, even at tight end with the regression of Travis Kelsey in the regular season, and he has helped get them to the Super Bowl despite having, again, issues on offense, having the toughest road to the playoffs he's ever had to face now, going on the road not once but twice in order to, to win games in hostile environments. The fact that it didn't matter, the fact that we're still sitting here talking about the Chiefs in the in the postseason and in the playoff uh, Super Bowl, I don't care about his MVP year in 2018. I don't care about any year he won the Super Bowl. Even if Mahomes and the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl this year, in terms of oppressive years of, wow, what a great season. For me and Mahomes' short career, this past year, 2023, is number one. 855-212-4227. Patrick is called from Alabama. Hello, Patrick. Hey, man, I got to disagree. Not impressed with the year Patrick Mahomes has had. It's been his worst numbers ever. And the referees, these calls he gets, like let's take the two non-pass interference calls against the Ravens, one in the end zone. I mean, how do you not call that? And some of these hits on Patrick Mahomes, if he breathes on the guy – these referees have bailed him out in crucial situations, whether it's been him not being out of bounds and getting a hit call out of bounds. So, and let's be honest, you're talking about too much. 
let's talk about too much. Let's peel the make off 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 Taylor Swift and see what she really looks like, her stick figure looking self. I want to puke every time I turn on a Kansas City Chief game. She's not good. Her music sucks, and I'm tired you of seeing her on music? TV. See, she sucks, bro. She's terrible. You don't like, like karma? It's a, it, no, it's groupy. It's groupy garbage. Yeah, thank you like, for not cursing. Any, uh, it's it's groupy garbage. Okay, it's just it's not good. Travis Kelsey, they got a business deal going. What do what's what what's Las Vegas got the odds on they're going to break up after they win or lose the Super Bowl to get all these viewers, these little these these young girls viewing the game and these women? How about that over? How about let's take the over and under on that thing? It's a business deal, bro. Did you see what Travis Kelsey gave up to date this ugly looking chick? What did he Come give on, up? Come on, bro. Bro, look at his look at his ex girlfriend of three years, oh, and you oh, look okay. at Taylor Swift. He moved on from. I, I see. Thank you, thank you for the call, Patrick. There's, wow, I thought that was going to go in one direction with Mahomes, and it did. I did not expect everything else after that. He, this is, I, I don't understand it. This is, the hate of, of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey is confounding to me. Why are people so, either pro or anti? I, I don't get why tra- uh, why Taylor Swift herself and just her being is now some polarizing political stance by the NFL, by her, by Travis Kelsey. Like, am I missing something here, Chris? Can two people just date and, and have fun and she's there supporting her boyfriend? And also, it's she's shown once a drive, maybe. It does not feel anywhere near like they're shoving it down our throat. Look, I find it a little bit annoying just because it's the Chiefs and it's like the Chiefs have a cast of characters that can be considered annoying. But I, it doesn't bother me. It's like, all right, she's there. Cool. Like, you think about it from the flip side of how many more people are going to become football fans because of her? You're reaching a much younger demographic. Viewership numbers are going to go up. Interest in the sport is going to go up. And you talk about, hey, how can we get more females to participate in sports and watch sports? Ding, ding, ding. Here you go. And also, the thing, the business deal part of it is something I don't get is a sense of what's in it for Taylor Swift? We talk about how big the NFL is and she's bringing viewers. She herself is massive. Why would she date someone she's not interested in? She doesn't need the followers. Her music's already out there. She's a billionaire, for God's sake. Right. She doesn't need the extra attention or money or whatever it may be. I mean, she's in the middle of two tours, two massive tours. She does not need the extra publicity that she gets from being shown on TV a few times during a game, watching now her boyfriend Travis play play football. Uh, the, the the hate, the, the, the belief, too, of just, like, how this is uh, one political party view and another uh, political party's view is – like, the fact that this is being politicized is honestly annoying. Get, like, you have to have better time with your life than trying to come up with cockamamie theories of which political party is pushing this. What, you know, where's the conspiracy theory? This is an inside job by the NFL. The NFL is rigged. We, you can't have that much time on your hands where you're spending it thinking about this stupidity. And it happens so much. I have not talked about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey a lot on any show I host because, honestly, I don't find it worth the time. They're dating. They're having fun. Cool. Does it impact my life? No. That's the way it should be. If this is fake, then you know what? Bad on them. It's their loss if they are dating someone for extra publicity. Why should I care? But whether you hate them or you love them, 
you are then feeding into whatever this, whatever you're making it out to be in your mind. Let him be. I, I don't, I don't get that the hatred that feels like it's, I don't know why. Like, I, I mean, also part of it is Taylor Swift is the most non-controversial person I've ever, I mean, famous person I could think off the top of my head. But she is right now easily the most influential person in music, one of the most influential people in this country. Yet, I mean, I'm not a Swifty, so maybe this is this is partly on me, but I mean, I couldn't tell you much about her. She's not out doing a lot of interviews. She's not, from what I've seen, very personable. You don't really get to know Taylor. She does a, I think, personally, I like her music, Karma, Cruel Summer. Actually, both came out of the gym today, both rocking out. I think great songs. But it's not like she's like someone like you can relate to, you can connect to. But yet she has this like massive now division point where people either love her if you're a Swifty or you hate her for whatever reason because you feel like, I don't know. I don't think it's crazy. I think now, honestly, it's normalized with her at games where it's like, oh, yep, she's on the screen celebrating Travis Kelsey scoring a touchdown. To me, it's just like any other now camera pan to the crowd is just like, oh, one one time it's a fan, now other time it's Taylor Swift. But this is just like calling her like calling her names, calling her ugly, stick. Like, I, I don't get why there's this vitriol to someone that does not give you a reason to hate her. She's not outwardly, you know, or, or outspoken politically, believing one way, spewing hate speech an, another time or taking some sort of strong stance. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard her ever give an opinion on anything, to be honest. Yet she's so divisive and people just feel so strongly one way or another that the hate is something I can't wrap my brain around. Really fast to the other point Patrick made that was incorrect. Um, Patrick Holmes gets all the calls. I mean, do we want to go back to the Packers game where Marquez Valdez-Scanling was tackled? on a deep bomb late in the game that should have been flagged and wasn't? Should we talk about the offsides penalty? By the way, that was correct. The offsides call against the Bills was correct. The Chiefs, I thought, acted... They, they embarrassed themselves how they acted after that call. But the call itself was correct. You would think if the Chiefs get all the calls that that would have been overlooked. The ref wouldn't have thrown the flag. And even last week against the Ravens, there was a hit Mahomes took right at the kneecap that should have been flagged. He bent back awkwardly, thought his knee blew out, and it said there's no penalty. I would not agree with the fact that the Chiefs have gotten all the calls, and that's why they are now in the Super Bowl. I think that is just pure hatred and looking for an excuse as to why your team can't get past them outside, or should say not wanting to admit they're just the better team. Brian is calling from Arkansas. Hello, Brian. Hey guys, um, listen. I I I'm not a, I'm a Cowboys fan, but I like Patty Mahomes. But if we're talking about floppers who can grab uh, refs, that's going to be <laughs> Allen. But as this, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's like everybody in the court. They're going to get their fouls called for him against him. His his offensive, um, sorry, his offensive line tackles are terrible, and they seem to get pulled all the time because they can't figure out how not to jump off sides. So that's not really a foul thing on them. But you look at, I mean, it is their foul, but I'm saying they all get called one foul. Right, like, I don't, I can't sit here and tell you the Chiefs have got, like, I rattled off three or four calls off the top of my head where that have gone against the Chiefs, not for them. Isn't that every game? 
isn't every game like that? We can all say about the Cowboys game, Jaguars, every game can say that. But as for Travis Kelson and, and, and Taylor Swift, I hope they work out. I don't I don't think anything about that's being political. I, I don't think it's political from my point of view. You know, I think Travis Kelson's podcast is hilarious with his brother Jason. Yes. He's an eagle. And I don't even like the Eagles, but I think they're got they're hilarious. As for Taylor, her concerts are expensive. My kid can't go to it, but I mean, other than that, I think she's awesome. But I mean, I, I listen to her older stuff, so I mean, that's me. I mean, you know, again, it, I don't see it, but I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that whatever all the hate. I don't understand the hate. It doesn't so, I mean, doesn't make sense. It doesn't Brian, make sense. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I agree. Common sense should prevail. I appreciate the call and your perspective. I, I don't get it. Again, I think it's just hate in order to hate. Um, and for whatever reason, if you're masking your anger towards the Chiefs, like that's another thing too. I don't really have Chiefs fatigue. I'm not a Chiefs fan. I'm not, I mean, I like Patrick Mahomes. I respect him. I'm not saying I'm, you know of a big Patrick Mahomes stand while saying, um, but I, I don't really find them unlikable. I don't have Chiefs fatigue the way I had Patriots fatigue and, and hated Bill Belichick and hated Tom Brady for forever and hated you know that entire organization. Despite them going to four Super Bowls in the last five years, I, I truly don't have a problem with them. They are a likable bunch. They are personable. In the case of Travis Kelsey on his podcast, absolutely hilarious. He's an absolute character. But the the Kelsey Swift hate is just, I, I, I don't get it. Um, And it's very weird to me that people care so much about two people that we don't know. We think we know him. We watch him on TV. We don't know. But I guess that's also life in 2024, right? That is life. All right, 855-212-4227. It is Ryan Hickey with you on CBS Sports Radio. When we return, we just also just spoke about the refs, and I don't think they've given the Chiefs any sort of preferential treatment this season. But let's keep the ref conversation going because um, someone who does not think they got preferential treatment last night. It was Anthony Edwards in a win over the Thunder was very outspoken and very frustrated that the referees um, ref the game and felt like it was almost as he called it eight against five. I'm not gonna. I don't want to break down that game specifically, but I do one comment he made about the refs that I think is a hundred percent true about all sports going forward. Something needs to change. I'll tell you what that is when we do return. Ryan Hickey in for JR on CBS Sports Radio. It's Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey. It's Ryan Hickey in for JR Sport Brief right here on CBS Sports Radio. Appreciate you making us a part of your Tuesday right here. If you missed any part of the show so far or unfortunately got to leave us soon. I, I get it. Life gets in the way. Hick at Night podcast. Night spelled N-I-T-E is where you can get the rest of the show in podcast form. If you want some video content on YouTube, Ryan Hickey is the channel name. Search and subscribe to both. Both, come on. In 2024, it's free. If it's free, it's for me. If it's free, it's for you as well. Those two areas are where you can get caught up to date with the show going forward here. All right, so we just talked about referees and, I mean, I think not giving the Chiefs any sort of um, advantage in 2020, uh, 2023. Someone, though, who does not think the referees gave his team any sort of fair shake was Anthony Edwards. Last night, and look, the, you would have thought the Wolves lost by 30. The way he was talking after the game about his frustration uh, with the referees, but he was not shy. 
he was absolutely not shy. So to give you a, a little bit of a sample here, this is a little tough to hear, but listen clearly. This is on um, Valley Sports after the game. Anthony Edwards talked to a teammate about how he feels the refs. Well, let's just say we're working against the Wolves. But contributions all around, a team effort in this one. It certainly was. Cheating, ass, refs. Those three words uttered by the man they call Ant-Man after the game when dapping up teammates. Did not stop there. Did an interview after the game, Bally Sports North, and kind of teed off and went back at it against the referees. Take a listen. Ant, tonight it was the battle amongst the best in the West. You guys take sole position of number one in the West. How did you get it done in this environment? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm going to take the fine because the refs did not give us no calls tonight. We had to play through every bump, every grab. I don't know. I don't know how we won tonight. Uh, big shout out to my team. Big shout out to my coaches for sure. Clearly frustrated. Clearly very upset with the referees. I think we got to learn a lesson going forward. And one thing I could take out of the Anthony Edwards frustration that's applicable to every sport. At a boy, Ant. To your point, we need the referees to be held accountable with post-game press conferences. The referees should be forced to answer questions from the media after every single game. Whether to defend themselves or whether to hold them accountable. Because at least for me, I think at this point, leagues are, are doing themselves a disservice by hiding the refs, by trying to bury missed calls. Like, as a fan, it's not going to make me feel better if a referee blows the call and admits it after the game. I'm still going to be upset. But it makes it a little easier to digest afterwards if you at least hear the refs saying, I screwed up, or hear the refs get grilled by exactly what me and you are screaming at the TV about what should have happened, how they messed up. At least they're getting those questions thrown in their face instead of just one reporter selected ask like two questions and you can't press at all and you got to be careful with how you word the questions. Mr. Referee, I know the job is really tough, but you blew the call there. What, what were you thinking? Oh, oh, no, what we all saw was actually not correct okay, we're going to take your word for it. We're just going to move on and say you were right with the call. Like, we should, just like head coaches and players, when they screw up, right, they face the media and they have to explain why they made that call, why they made or didn't make the play. They have to talk and at least give their rationale. Referees should be held to the same standard. Referees after the game should be on the post-game, you know, podium, face of the media, and asking, or I should say answering, questions about calls they made or didn't make. Like, if you just look look at Aunt, uh, Aunt Edwards right there, he's saying cheating-ass refs, they, you know, basically tried to, he's basically insinuating they ref the game like they were trying to have the Thunder win the game. So whether it's the diffusing that, whether it's trying to push back on that. Like, the head referee last night was Mark Lindsay. He should be forced to go to the, the podium after the game and answer to what Edwards is claiming. Let's get some examples here. Missed the call. Why wasn't this called? Why was this foul not, not called, but this one was? I don't see how that's a, a negative. I don't get why the referees, Chris, maybe you can help explain this to me. I don't get why the referees are, are treated like the president of the U.S., 
where it feels like the, the league is, is so, uh, secret service. They're ushered in, they're ushered out, and as soon as the game's over, it's like they, they run out of town, and they are not there to answer anything. And the only if you criticize them, you're in trouble. I, I don't get, in, a, in an era now where it's easier than ever to see if a referee got it right with instant replay and a million camera angles, why when referees get calls wrong, especially that are obvious, why they are not allowed to be called out on it. I don't see how that's helping the situation. Your guess is as good as mine. This is something I've been advocating for for a long time. I mean, it's not just in professional sports. Hell, college sports and specific conferences for college football, college basketball. It's looking at specifically the ACC and the Big Ten, absolutely atrocious. That's for both sports and professional sports. NHL referees have been god-awful this year. NFL referees have been god-awful. NBA has been some of the worst for decades, and they're just hitting new lows this year. Like, I'm ass- I am assuming, and I could be wrong here, but I'm going to assume here that the leagues do not want the story of the game being about the referees. I'm going to assume that's the case, that they, they want the story to be about on the-, on the field. And so I think you're only hurting yourselves when not that the refs are trying to get the call wrong. Again, their job is hard. I understand it. But I think you you only make them better by forcing them, hey, if you're going to make this call, then after the game, you better be able to explain it. Like, you better be able to, to with conviction, say, this is what I saw. Either this, you know, penalty did happen or I didn't see enough contact to warrant a call. Either way, I think if you put them on the podium after the game, it at least... Force them to be sure. If you're going to make this call or not make this call, you better be sure you're making it and better be sure that you can explain it to fans afterwards. How many times have we seen a game that has been so clean, clean as a whistle, from the moment it starts to pretty much when it ends, and then a phantom flag or a phantom foul or a phantom penalty is called, and it leads to the game-winning play for a specific team? How many times have we seen that, not just in our lifetimes, but within, I'd say, about the last calendar year, maybe year and a half? I mean, even just an example of that, in a way, it was just like, you go back a month ago, the ending to the Cowboys-Lions game, right? Did Taylor Decker report? Did he not report? It looked pretty obvious to us, and there were plenty of camera angles that, I think, reinforce our belief that the Lions got screwed. It looked like Taylor Decker went over to the referees to tell them, hey, I'm the eligible receiver, and the guy running in, Dan Skipper, is not, he's just a distraction. And at least Dan Campbell, I believe, and I don't think he's lying when he said that he went over this with the referees to tell them this is what they're doing to make sure everyone is clear. Brad Allen, then, I think after he blows the call, after he assumes one player is going to be eligible and gets it incorrect, I think he should be forced to go to the podium and explain what he saw and what his rationale was. It's not going to make Lions fans feel better, right? The loss is still in the books. I'm not sitting here saying that you're going to get your pound of flesh but I think just from a from an accountability perspective, it makes it just makes it easier to digest and move on from if the referees after the game, after an obvious call they blow, saying, you know what? I blew it. And I think you only add fuel to the fire if players are frustrated, voice their frustration to the media about the officiating, and then are fined by the league for talking about and criticizing officiating, especially after a situation in which the officials were wrong, I think you only add fuel to the fire. You only make things worse for you, not better. And so while you can't go back in the moment and correct 
the call, I think at least you can help diffuse the situation. That's really what it should be about, diffusing the situation to make sure at least that the frustrations don't boil over and also to hold your referees accountable that, hey, if you're going to make this call, you better be able to explain it. I don't understand why they are just treated like this, like, protected entity that can't be looked at, can't be talked about. You, how dare you talk negatively about them? You're going to, you know, have money coming out of your pocket. How dare you get frustrated? You can't ask them any questions if you're the media trying to do your job. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't think that's the right way to approach it if you're any league, especially now with gambling, a big, you know, aspect of these games with more people watching games than ever. I mean, every week I feel like the NFL is putting out a brand new record for men, for for people watching a game. Last week or two weeks ago, I guess at this point, we had the most watched divisional round weekend ever. I'm pretty sure the AFC title game just set also a new record as well, like 57 million viewers. You are having more people than ever watch and consume your product. I think the bare minimum, you owe clarity and you owe accountability. We do it for the players. And it doesn't, you know, hearing the coach say, I screwed up the play call, doesn't make the loss any better, but at least you can hear them own it. I think hearing the same from the referees would um would help diffuse. Let's say we'll just say, we'll call the word diffuse. Not make it better, not make the loss any easier, but hopefully promote accountability and diffuse a lot of frustrations that fans feel everywhere about the officiating in uh, in all sports. So I mean, it's never going to happen. Uh, I hope if you're Adam Silver or Roger Goodell listening, it's look, it's free advice. I don't even need the credit. If that's what you want to do. And like you said, Herbert Chris, he's had that idea before. So it's not an unoriginal, or I should say it's not an original idea. Just implement it. Save yourself some of the headache and hopefully promote better officiating across all major sports. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Lee is called from Cincinnati. What's up, Lee? Hey, Ryan. Thanks for taking my call. And I want to go back to one thing you were talking about, about with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Sure. And so many people are saying they don't like that. But I'm going to tell you right now, I think it's a fantastic thing, and I'll tell you why. My youngest son, he's a, he's a little bitty fella. He stands 6'6 and weighs 3'10", okay? But he also happens to be as gay as you can imagine. And he loves Taylor Swift, and he never cared about football until this started happening. Now, he wants to watch all the playoff games with me. He wants to watch the Super Bowl with me. Why? Because of Taylor Swift and because he is such a Taylor Swift um, fan. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's and now he's starting to like football just because of football itself, even though he was never interested in it before. So, at least I'm one person that this has had a positive effect on as far as his relationship. As far as my relationship with my son, I have to admit it has made it better because he wants to watch football now and never would have before had it not been for Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey being a couple. That's awesome, Lee. That, that's really cool. Uh, thank you for sharing that. That's I, Like you said, like that's a really tangible example of Taylor Swift making your life and your you know you and your son's relationship now even stronger with being able to bond over football. Thank you for sharing that. And to the opposite, I guess, of Lee's point, what I don't understand is where's like the negative? You heard Lee's perspective. That's a positive. I, I, More people are watching football. Swifties now are into football. Where's the downside? 
that that's one thing that I still can't wrap my mind around. I see it a lot on social media. Again, maybe that's just me getting too wrapped up in social media. I'm guilty of that. I'm on social media way more than I should, but especially with Twitter, all the breaking news, always got to kind of stay up to date and seeing what's going on, what the reports are, what the rumors are. I'm on Twitter way more than I should, so maybe I see it more than the, more than the normal person because I'm just on Twitter more than the normal person is. But it's like you go on some of these social media websites and it's like the hate, the vitriol that people feel uh, towards this relationship, towards Taylor Swift, like where is the downside of her supporting Travis Kelsey? How is that negatively impacting your watching experience? If they don't show Taylor Swift in the box, they're showing another fan. What's the difference who it is? You don't know them. Whether it's a fan in the third row celebrating a Travis Kelsey touchdown or whether it's Taylor Swift, what is the difference? It's all the same to me. That's something I can never hold my uh, wrap my head around is all this negativity when her presence, it's either just been, for me, neutral. I don't really change the way I watch the game or hasn't impacted my watching ability. So it's not impacted me or it's been positive like in Lee's case. But no one really can ever point out the negative or really have a real tangible negative. All right, when we return here, Ryan Hickey in for JR. The Lions got great news with Ben Johnson returning. And for the first time ever, they can be called this. I'll tell you when we return.